my family is among the diminishing number of families that still have a home phone line. And to be honest, it's mostly telemarketers, and so when the phone rings, nobody jumps up and runs to the phone. I remember the day we used to run to the phone to see who it was, but now not so much. Recently, the phone rang, and I went half expecting to hang it up quickly when I heard the pause, the delay, and it was my grandfather, so I'm glad I didn't hang up on him. But it's funny how we don't even expect anyone that we know to call us on our home phone anymore. There's no expectancy there when the phone rings. Well, did you know that in your walk with God, you can lose your expectancy in terms of God leading and directing your life? And because you don't expect God to direct you, you stop listening to Him. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want us to think together about the call of God, about listening to God when He calls. 1 Samuel chapter 3, as we continue our study, this wonderful Old Testament book, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. I want to ask you this morning, if you're physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, that the Lord called Samuel. And he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down. In his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel! Samuel! And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I've told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and we are so grateful for your word, for the truth of the Bible that speaks so 
powerfully into our lives. And we ask you to use your word to shape us. Uh, Lord, we say today without reservation that you are the potter and we are the clay. And we want to be different. We want to be changed. So have your way in our midst. We love you. We praise you. We stand amazed by your grace. And we stand amazed in your presence here today. Now, Lord, would you establish my steps in your word? For we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The time period in which the book of 1 Samuel begins is the time period of the Judges, which was a dark time in the history of Israel. As a matter of fact, in the last verse of the book of Judges, we see what that time period was all about. That verse says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. It was a time of utter rebellion against God and, and great lawlessness in the land. But God is at work, and we see that in 1 Samuel. He's about to, to raise up a spiritual leader to lead his people from, from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. And so that's where we begin the story. God encounters a woman named Hannah who was unable to have children, but she prayed for a child. She said, if you give me a child, I'll, I'll dedicate him to you. And so God gives her a son named Samuel. She brings Samuel to the, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the tent of meeting at Shiloh, and she leaves him there. To, to be dedicated to the service of the Lord. And Samuel begins to grow and is growing up under the, the, the tutelage of Eli, the high priest. And in chapter 3 here, we see God encounter Samuel to call him to the role of prophet, to lead his people. And so this text is all about the call of God. As a matter of fact, in verses 4 through 10, the word call occurs 11 times. So when you see a word 11 times in the text of Scripture, you might want to pay some attention to that word and explore that theme. So I want to explore the theme of the call of God. And here's how I want to do it this morning. First of all, I want us to see three truths about God that serve as a foundation for understanding His call in our lives. And then I want us to learn five lessons from Samuel that will help us to be positioned to hear and respond to God. And so first of all, let's talk about three uh, truths about God that we find in this text. The first truth is this. God is always at work. God is always at work. Look what it says there in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Now Leviticus and Exodus tells us that the lamp is to be burning in the holy place uh, outside of the curtain uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was to burn all night long. So when it says here that the lamp was, was still lit, it, was, it had not yet gone out, probably speaks of a time period right before dawn, right before the sun rises. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of God was. That's the time the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. Now, here's the question. Why is God uh, intersecting Samuel's life? Why is God speaking to Samuel? Why is God calling Samuel? The answer is the Lord is at work. You see, this was a time of, of great spiritual darkness, and one of the reasons for the spiritual darkness among the nation of Israel 
was the lack of spiritual leadership. Eli was a passive father, and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the high priests, and they were wicked, wicked men. And there's just no, uh, no prophet of God, no, no priest of God that's leading the way, pointing the people to truth. And so God is getting ready to raise up a new prophet and a new line of priests. He's going to take the priesthood away from Eli, that's what he says to Samuel, and give it to another family. And he's raising Samuel up to, to speak truth to his people and to lead them in a new direction. Now, it's easy to read a book like 1 Samuel and think, well, this is just ancient history. It's, it's interesting, but it's just kind of some, some history that's disconnected with my life today. That is not the case with 1 Samuel, and it's not the case with the Old Testament. You see, God is doing something here specific. God is keeping his promise to Abraham. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants and make you a great nation, and through your descendants, all the peoples of the earth will one day be blessed. In other words... Through the, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, I'm going to send a Messiah. And that Messiah's name is Jesus. And Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross for the sins of the world. So that if any person from any tribe, any tongue, any language, if anyone turns to Jesus, they can be blessed with salvation, right? So through the seed of Abraham, all the peoples have the potential to be blessed with salvation through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God made that promise to Abraham. And God doesn't forget his promises. So when it looks like God's people are wandering in the dark, in spiritual darkness, heading to utter destruction, God intervenes. He, inter he intervenes to preserve them and protect them and give them new spiritual leaders to keep that nation together so one day he could send the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So this, this text is not some disconnected history that has nothing to do with your life. This is God keeping his promise to Abraham so he could send a savior for you and for me. This passage is about you. It's about God preserving his people so he could send a savior. This is about God's rescue plan, God's plan of redemption. And we're reminded from this, even when it looks like God's not at work, even when times look hopeless and dark, God is at work. And guess what? God is still at work today. God is working out his plan of salvation. He is saving people from every tribe and every tongue and every language and every ethnicity. God is at work bringing redemption to a lost and dying world. So all we have to do is look with eyes of faith at any given situation. And I believe we'll see God's fingerprints on that situation because God is always at work working his plans for his glory. God is always at work. And we learn that as God intersects Samuel's life. But there's a second truth I want you to see about God. The second truth is this. God is a God who speaks. I'm so grateful that God speaks. God reveals things about himself to us. Now look what it says in verse 1. It says, the boy was, Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And here's a little interesting fact. The word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. God would, would customarily raise up prophets to speak truth to his people. But this text tells us that there had not been a lot of prophetic activity. God was not speaking to his people. The visions were rare. Why? Well, I believe God's just giving his people what they wanted. God would speak to them through prophets and tell them truth, and they didn't want to hear the truth. And so God says, okay, if you don't want to hear the truth, I just won't speak to you. And God 
delays speaking to his people. He does not speak frequently to his people, but God's not done with his people. And so God decides to speak through a new leader, a leader named Samuel. And that's why he encounters Samuel, to call him into the prophetic ministry. And we learn from this that God is a God who graciously speaks to you and speaks to me. A God who reveals himself. Let me read you this quote from the ESV study Bible in an article in the back of that Bible about Revelation. It says this, Knowing God is the most important thing in life. Now, do you believe that? Let me say it again. Knowing God is the most important thing in life. Do you believe that? So, it goes on to say, God created people fundamentally for relationship with himself. This relationship depends on knowing who he is as he has revealed himself. In other words, we can never have a relationship with God if he did not reveal himself to us. If God was a distant, impersonal deity, just watching the world unwind, then we would be stumbling and groping in the darkness, right? But God is gracious in that he has revealed himself. He's told us who he is and what he is like and how we are separated from him, but he has made a way for us to know him and be reconciled to him. He's, he's revealed some things to us, and because he's revealed some things, because he's spoken, because he's a God who speaks, we can know him in a personal way. And so the Bible is, is evidence of God's grace, that God cares about you so much, he revealed himself to you so you could know him. God is a God who speaks. And we are dependent upon this, this revelation, the Word of God, to have a relationship with Him. I, I heard a song on the radio, K-Love, recently, and, and it's a catchy tune, and so I kind of found myself singing along, but I kind of stopped and listened to what the words were, and the words aren't very good. The song goes something like this. It said, I want my relationship to you be, to be more like falling in love than something to believe in. And the point is, I want my relationship with you to be a love relationship. I don't want to be constrained by doctrines and beliefs and, and those sorts of things. Well, guess what? How can you love God unless you believe some things about God? Right? Before you can love God, you've got to believe some things about who God is. And, and by the way, the Bible says we're saved through faith. You've got to believe to be saved. And so God speaks. We embrace what he says. We believe what he says about himself. And that revelation, his speaking, allows us to know him and love him and walk with him and talk with him. We, we can't know God apart from doctrinal realities. It's just not possible. You say, well, wait, I just want to love Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? You don't know who Jesus is unless you read the Bible and, and learn about Jesus, right? God is a God who speaks. And his speaking is an act of grace that we can know about him. We see here that God is speaking. Now, all throughout the Bible, we see God speaking in many different ways. God uses prophets. He uses visions. He's speaking here audibly to Samuel. In verse 10, it even says he came and stood. He manifests his presence. I don't know what that looked like, but, but Samuel saw God and heard God speak. We see God write on a wall to get a message to a king. We see all sorts of ways that God speaks over in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1, it says that, in days past, God spoke in many, many ways uh, through many different people. He, he, he spoke in different ways through the Old Testament. Hebrews 1 says, in these days, He's spoken to us through His Son. He's communicated to us His plan through Jesus. And now, you and I 
have, listen to this, the completed canon of Scripture. We have Genesis through Revelation. So now, the normative way that God speaks is this. God speaks to us through His Word as it is applied to us by His Spirit. Let me say it again. Here's how God speaks today. The normative way God speaks. He speaks to us through His Word as it is illuminated and applied by the Spirit of God. As we read the Bible and the Spirit of God directs us, we are hearing God speak. I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. That's not the normative way He works in today's time. We have the completed canon of Scripture. A more sure word, Peter says, than an experience. We have the completed canon of Scripture. And so, when I read the Bible and the Spirit illuminates the Bible for me and applies the Bible to my life, I'm hearing God speak to me. Isn't that amazing? God is a God who speaks. Now let me give you one third truth about God. A third truth about God. God is a personal God. God is a personal God. Let me show you a pattern that emerges through this text. Look what it says in verse 4. The Lord called Samuel. Look in verse 6. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Look in verse 8. So the Lord called who? Samuel again for the third time. Look in verse 10. The Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel. Samuel. Do you notice that God calls him by name? The God of the universe knows Samuel's name. And we see this all throughout the Bible. God calls Abraham by name. God calls Jacob by name. God calls Moses by name. God calls Saul, who later became Paul, by name. And here's the, the amazing reality. God knows your name too. He knows your name. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the circumstances surrounding you. So when God calls you, listen to me, He knows you, and when He calls you to do something, He knows that this something He's calling you to do is what's best for you. God knows our name. He's a personal God. And of all the 7 billion people on the earth, He knows your name. You can trust Him, and you ought to want to listen to Him because He knows what's best for you, right? So three truths about God, which lead into five lessons that we learn from Samuel. So wait, what's this mean for me, this idea of God calling? How does this apply to my life? Let me give you five truths, and, and I think it'll help you to apply it. Number one, we need to respect authority. What do we learn from Samuel? We learn we need to respect authority. Look what it says in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, so... Eli was the one that was instructing Samuel. He was providing daily, uh, daily instruction for Samuel. Uh, Hannah came and she, she brought Samuel to, to serve the Lord and she left him there under the tutelage of Eli, the high priest, the aged high priest. And so he's serving under the leadership of Eli. And look what happens in verse 4. It says, The Lord called Samuel... And he said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He thought the voice was Eli's voice. But notice, he runs and says, I'm here to serve you. He recognized Eli's authority over his life. 
Same thing happens in verse uh, 6. And then in verse 9, when Eli discerns it's the Lord calling him, look what he says to him. Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So what Samuel do? He obeys. He goes and lays down in his place. The Lord came and stood and called us at other times. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Why did he say that? He said it because that's what Eli told him to say. He's, he's responding to Eli's authority over his life, and then he's responding to God's authority. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so... Samuel models for us a respect for authority. Now, why is that a big deal? Let me tell you why this is a big deal. If you don't respect authority in your life, if you don't respond to authority in your life, then you're not going to respond when the authority calls. Which, by the way, this is why it's so important that we teach our children respect for authority. Respect for parents, respect for church leaders and church workers, respect for... Their, their teachers, respect for uh, government officials, you know, uh, law enforcement. We need to teach our children respect for authority. Because if we let them live in complete disregard for authority, what makes us think they're going to listen when the authority calls them? If they've been ignoring authority all their life, then I can tell you this, they're going to ignore God when He calls. It's important to to live under the authorities God places over our lives so that when God intervenes, when God intersects, we're ready to recognize His authority over our lives. So first of all, we learn from Samuel we need to respect authority. Second of all, we learn from Samuel that we should maintain the posture of a servant. There in verse 10, Samuel said, Speak for your servant, your servant is listening. Samuel here recognizes that the Lord calls the shots. He's the boss and he's a servant. He obeys whatever the servant says. And we'll never learn to respond to God's call on our lives if we do not maintain the posture of a servant. Lest we give the Lord absolute control of our lives. The Apostle Paul would often refer to himself as a doulos, a slave of Christ Jesus. Can you say that? He's the Lord, he's boss, and I respond to whatever he says. If you want to be led by God, if you want to be used by God in your life, you've got to maintain the posture of a servant. So you can respond when he calls. But here's the third truth we learn from Samuel. We need a desire to hear. We need a desire to hear. Look what he says. Speak, Lord. Your servant is, what's the word there? Listening. I've got my ears on. I'm, I'm listening. Speak. I want to hear what you have to say. If we want to be led by God in our lives, if we want to be directed by God, we have to have a desire to hear. And can I tell you this? I'm convinced that a lot of folks in, in, the, in the life of a church don't really want to hear from God. They don't really, really want to hear what God has to say because they know if they begin to hear God, He's going to change some things in their life. For example, let's talk about the issue of racism, which is a, an issue that's still present in many churches today. I believe that if someone is saved, 
in walking with God and digging into the Word, they cannot hold on to their racism and prejudice. God will deal with that and show them that it's a sin and they'll repent and go in the right direction. I just believe that. Someone that's really seeking after God cannot hold on to racial attitudes, race, race, racist attitudes. I, just, I don't believe they can do that. But see, a lot of people know that if they get serious about God, that's exactly the area God's going to deal with. And they don't, want to be de- they, don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. They want to hold on to that racism and that prejudice and so they never get serious about listening because if they listen, they know God's going to address them at that point. So they don't really want to hear. They're, they're content to play games and go through the motions and play church and religion, but they don't really want God to change who they are. And that's just one of many examples. Every year, we have a, a global impact conference where we bring in missionaries from all over the world and we, we think about and pray about and hear about what God's doing among the nations. It is a glorious, glorious time. But can I just tell you this, to be real honest with you, our attendance during those times is, is low. And, and I think that, that, that our global impact conferences are not well attended because people are scared if they come to a missions conference, God's going to call them to go to Africa. I really believe that. So if you say, I'm not going there, God's going to call me to missions. Now, there's, there's several things wrong with that. First, uh, first is this. God knows your name. He knows what's best for you. Amen? And if he calls you to do something, that something he's calling you to do is going to be what's most fulfilling in your life. It's not going to be drudgery. It's not God trying to take away your life and your fun. It's God giving you life. Giving you a, a, a sense of being on mission with Him so you can make a, a difference in the world. God's not trying to, to ruin your life. He's trying to give you life. But here's the second problem with that. You think God can't find you if you don't come to the impact conference? He found Jonah in the bottom of a boat. Amen? You think you can run from the... If God, if God wants to get in your life and intervene and intersect and get your attention, guess what? He can flat do it. So you might as well come to the impact conference. Amen? But I really believe that some people say, oh, I'm so, if I go, oh, God's going to call me to Europe or Africa or Asia or wherever. I don't want to go. I'm comfortable the way I am. I believe a lot, of, a lot of the reason people don't dig into the Word of God, people don't get serious about coming to worship and hearing the Word of God and getting in a connect group and studying the Word of God is because they don't want to hear what God has to say. They don't want the truth of the Bible applied to all the areas of their life. As long as they can just play church and be comfortable. God, don't mess with my comfort zone. Don't mess with that. If you want to be led, directed by God, you've got to have a desire to hear. When I was in college, I was a business major. I had all these goals and plans and ideas and things I was going to do and to be honest with you, my priorities were not in order. I was a, a believer in Christ, but Jesus Christ at that point in my life was not number one on my priority list. I was not seeking first the kingdom of God. I was seeking first the kingdom of Wade. And so what God did is he took me through a very painful process, so a breaking point when I was in college. took some things out of my life that were higher on my priority list than him. And it was, it was painful. But, but guess what happened? I found myself one evening doing something I hadn't done in years. I found myself on my knees in my dorm room with an open Bible on my dorm room bed, seeking God. Now, let me tell you what happened. Almost immediately after that moment in my life, 
almost immediately, I began to sense a, a call from God to preach the gospel, to be involved in vocational ministry, to pastor. I, I began to sense God calling me to do that. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that if I had been walking with God before that moment, I would have sensed God's call to preach at a much earlier age. But you know what my problem was? I didn't have the posture of a servant. I didn't have ears to hear. And so, once I got my heart right and was seeking Him first, then I began to hear Him direct me to be a pastor, to preach the gospel in the local church. One of my dreams for Longview Point is this, that this church continues to be a place where God just calls people out. God calls people to, to, to calls young men to preach the Bible and pastor churches. He calls young people to serve in church staff positions, vocational ministry, that he calls people to go and plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. He calls people to, to move and plant their life in a cross-cultural setting and give their, their time and their life to get the gospel out among unreached peoples around the globe. I just, I just, I, my, one of my dreams is that God just does that and continues to do that in an ever-increasing way in our church. But that will never happen if we don't maintain the posture of a servant. That will never happen if we don't, as a church, have a desire to hear from God. Acts chapter 13, the church got before God, they prayed, they fasted. You know what God did? He said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. Send them out. They had a desire to hear, and God sent some folks out. We've got to have that desire to hear. But, but listen to me carefully. I believe the Bible's clear. There is a distinct call to what we would call vocational ministry. There's a distinct missionary call. I believe that. That's why God didn't call the whole church in Antioch. He called Paul and Barnabas. But can I tell you this? All of us are called to make disciples. All of us. Every one of us. And so if we'll have ears to hear, if we'll maintain the posture of a servant, God will show us how He can use our life to make disciples wherever He has us. So whether you're a teacher, or in health care, or work, or own your own business, or stay at home with your kids, or you're retired, wherever you are in life, if you'll have ears to hear, God will show you how you can leverage that place you are to make disciples. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll take His Word by His Spirit and apply it to your heart and show you how it ought to change things in your life. Not everyone's called to be a, a preacher. But everyone's called to make disciples. We're all missionaries in that sense. And so we need ears to hear. God, show me how you want to use me where I am to make a difference for your glory. Ears to hear. There's another thing we learn from Samuel. We need to obey what God calls us to do even when it's difficult. In verses 11 through 14... The Lord tells Samuel, I'm about to take the, the priesthood away from Eli and his sons and give it to a new family. I'm going to judge them. He says there in verse 14, I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering for it. In other words, they can't repent. They've gone too far. They've crossed the line. Judgment is coming. So look what happens in verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. 
Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel, watch this, told him everything and hid nothing from him. That was a tough assignment. Samuel was a boy. We don't know exactly how old he was. Maybe a teenager, we're not sure. Old enough to hear a message and understand a message and obey God. And Eli says, what did God say to you? And this young boy had to tell the high priest of Israel, God's about to judge you and your family. He's going to remove the priesthood from you. You've, you've crossed the line, a point of no return. Can you imagine how intimidating it was for Samuel to relay that message? But he does it. It takes some coaxing, but he tells him everything. He hides nothing. This was a difficult assignment. And can I just tell you this? When you get serious about following Jesus, it's usually going to lead down difficult roads. When you get serious about following Jesus, it's not going to get any easier. It's not. It'll be more fulfilling. It'll be more satisfying, but it will not be easier. Samuel was called by God, his first assignment, tell the high priest he's going to be judged. Wow. So here's the question. When God calls me, directs me to do difficult things, how do I do it? Well, there's two answers to that question here in this text. First of all, realize God will be with you. Verse 18, Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli says that. Thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. I want you to hear me carefully. God will never call you to do something by yourself. God tells us, when I call you to do something, I will accompany you with my presence. There's no more daunting command in the Bible than Matthew 28, 18, 19. Make disciples of all the nations. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? We're called to make disciples, to get the gospel to all the peoples of the earth. They can become followers of Christ, baptize them, teach them all that Christ commanded so they can go out and make disciples themselves. That's a huge task. And that's why Jesus says in verse 20, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. When God calls us to do something, He will accompany us with His presence. He'll give us what we need when we need it to get the job done. He'll give us the strength we need, the wherewithal we need. He'll give us the wisdom we need. He'll give us what we need. You've heard the phrase, where God guides, He provides. So don't be afraid of difficult tasks. The Lord may lead you on. He'll be with you there to help you. And here's the second thing. Realize that God's word will accomplish his purposes. Look what it says in verse 19. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. Literally in the Hebrew, that's let none of his words fall to the ground. When you are a vessel in the hands of God and you speak the word of God, the truth of God, the gospel of God, God's word will accomplish his purposes. Isaiah 55 says that God's word never returns void. And see, your job is to be obedient and leave the results in God's hands. And God will use your obedience to accomplish great and mighty things. And so we need to obey, just like Samuel did, even when it's difficult. But there's one final truth I want you to see about Samuel. 
We need to realize that God responds to faithfulness by giving you greater assignments. So what was assignment number one? Tell Eli his house is about to be judged. Look at assignment number two. Look what it says in verse 21. Verse 20. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now look in chapter 4 verse 1. Thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Do you see that? Assignment number one, speak to a man. Assignment number two, speak to a nation. And I believe that Samuel was called to speak to a nation because he was faithful to speak to a man. And as he obeys in the the lesser assignments, God gives him greater assignments. And that's the way the, the... That's the way God works. Jesus in parable form tells us that when God gives you stewardship over something, if you're faithful, God will give you more to be a steward over. He who is faithful in little will be given more. It's a biblical principle. There are no shortcuts to being used by God. If you'll just be faithful where He has you, He'll give you greater and greater opportunity and assignment. We learned that from Samuel. God used Samuel to change a nation. Because Samuel was willing to speak to an individual named Eli. Say, wait, I want to be used by God. I want God to direct me and show me from His Word and apply it to my life by the Spirit where He wants me and what He wants me to do. So what should I do? Here's my answer. Be faithful right where God has you. Be faithful right where God has you. I've seen guys that want to that pastor a church God, give me a church to pastor, and yet they're not faithful in any local church in the meantime. They're not actively going to church and serving him in a local church. But they're going to pastor one day and say, I want people to come to my church, but they're not willing to go to church themselves. Now God works. Don't expect God to give you a, a great church to pastor if you don't even go to church yourself. Amen? That's true in all different areas. Don't expect to be used greatly by God if you're not faithful in if you're not faithful where God has you now, be faithful in a little and God will give you more. It's a biblical principle. Now here's the big idea, the summary of this, of this sermon. Let me give this to you. If I could sum it up in one sentence, here's how I would do it. God is a God who speaks. Again, the normative way God speaks in today's time is through His Word, illuminated and applied by the Spirit of God in our lives. That's the normative way God speaks to us. He directs us through His Word, by His Spirit. God is a God who speaks... And we should be eager to listen and quick to respond. We should be eager to listen and respond. That's what the sermon's about. Samuel was called to be prophet of Israel, but you're called to do something. So whatever it is, be eager to listen. Have a desire to hear. Dig into the Word. Then when God leads you and directs you and guides you, be quick to obey. Quick to respond to Him. This is the call of God, and it's thrilling. When God knocks on the door of your heart and shows you what He has for you. But can I just close by telling you this? The greatest call of God is the call to salvation. 
That, that's the starting point. As a matter of fact, over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says that God calls us through the gospel. So as we hear the gospel, God is calling us to be saved. You say, wait, what's the gospel? The gospel is this. We are sinners separated from God. We deserve His wrath and His punishment. But God loves us and He sent His Son Jesus to this earth. And Jesus came to this earth and He died on the cross in our place. He took our punishment for us. He took the wrath of God in our place. He became our sin and took our penalty. And then he was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. He defeated the grave. He's alive today, and he's mighty to save. That's the gospel. He, he died, and he rose from the grave. And if we'll embrace him by faith, if we'll turn from our sins, he'll forgive us. We'll be born again. That's the gospel. And as you've heard the gospel, that's God calling you to be saved. That's the most important call from God you'll ever hear. So as we close down here in a moment, if you're lost and far from God, if you were to die right now and you're not sure where you would spend eternity, you've heard the gospel today. God is calling you to be saved. Come to Jesus.